thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So most of you guys know this, but I'm a, I'm a teacher. I teach in Fresno Unified, and while most teachers are off summer break, I got to teach a little summer school. I got to, if you know where Tanaya Middle School was, that's where I taught at, and today was the last day, so I am now on official summer break. I'm a fit, thank you for that woo, thank you for that woo. When I was learning about teaching, when I was Learning about kids, I had to take this class called Child Development. <laughs> the woo, whoa. And I learned about this guy, his name was Walter Crane. Walter Crane, and about 100 years ago, about the year 1920, this guy Walter, he coined this phrase, fight or flight. And what he means by that, he means that in in unexpected moments or in, in now what situations, if something happened, humans usually respond in these two default responses. They, they, either, they either fight or they flight. They take flight. They run. So here's an illustration. If for, for whatever reason there's a snake up in the rafters here and it fell in your lap for, for some odd reason. Some of you would fight the snake. You'd punch in the face. Others of you would run. You'd run out the door, right? That's the whole fight or flight idea. That's the theory. Now, I don't know if you've known that. I don't know if you've studied that. Um, but in recent years, psychologists have come together. Psychologists, physiologists, they come together, and they, they added a term to Mr. Crane's little phrase. They said, okay, so, they said, we, we noticed this. Some people will fight. Some people will, will, will run, and then they said, but, but a lot of people will freeze. I don't know if you know that. In the recent years, they've added this term, freeze. So there's a fight, there's a flight, or now there's a freeze. So same scenario, right? The snake falls on your lap. Some of you will punch in the nose. Some of you will run out the door. And some of, some of us, unfortunately, are just going to, Freeze. You're, you're going to be paralyzed in fear. You're going you're gonna to not know what to do, and that thing's going to bite you on the neck, <laughs> and you're going to die a slow, terrible death in this coffee shop. And I just got to say, I, I was thinking about this whole idea of, oh, they've had to add this word. In recent generations, there's a whole crop of these millennials who really don't know what to do when, they, when they're faced with stress. And I started to think about this, and I, and I began to think, have you ever froze? And I'm not talking about when snakes fall from the sky. I'm talking about in life. Have you ever felt paralyzed? Have you ever, have you ever kind of felt like you were stuck? I don't know if it's a decision you had to make. You had option one, option two, option three. I don't know where to go. I can't make a decision. I don't know if you're in a relationship. I, uh, should we go? Should we get married? Should I break up with her? What do I do? I don't know if you're trying to figure out what you want to do for life, your career. I don't know what kind of school you're trying to get into. 
have, I don't know, I'm just saying, have you ever froze? Have you ever found yourself asking yourself over and over, now what? Now what? And I'm going to take it a step further. Have you ever froze? And, and this is where I said it, it gets a little bit, I feel like this, I was not planning on, I know sometimes people say this, I'm dead serious when I say this, I was not planning to talk about this stuff. I was not planning. But someone in here, like me, needs to hear this. Have you ever froze in the face of God? When I was in high school, I went right over here, Clovis East Timberwolves. I, went, I was a Timberwolf. And, yeah, thanks. Yeah. I went to Clovis East, and I wrestled. Uh, I played baseball. And my senior year, uh, I made this, this all-star team for the baseball team. I made this. It was called City County All-Star Team. And they pretty much they take the, the all-stars from, from all the schools up and down the valley, all the way up to Chowchill, all the way down to who knows where, man. But they take all these these athletes, and they put them on two teams, the city team and the county team. And we got to play over here at Grizzly Stadium, Chuck Chansey Park, and, and I'm a little guy. Like, take, size me up real quick. I'm, I'm little. I'm a little tiny boy. And I was playing with all these big dudes. Like, I was kind of a, kind of legit at Clovis East, but man, I'm starting to play with all these dudes, man. They're all men. And, and I remember playing at Grizzly Stadium. I had eye black on. I pulled it down like that because I was legit. And, and we played this game. And there was a lot of people there, man. It was kind of cool. It was like news and all this crazy stuff. And I had the game of my life. The absolute game of my life. I played, I, I played center field. I made a diving catch in like the second inning. I was like, yeah, I did. I was like, yeah. And then I came up my first at bat. I, I roped a double. I roped a double right over the second baseman's head. If you're, I'm a right-handed guy. And right over the second, second baseman's head, it was it literally rolled to the fence. I got on second base standing. My last at bat, I found a pitch right in my spot, man, and I took it. I don't know if you've ever been to Grizzly Stadium, but there's a pool in like left center field. I put this ball in the pool, in it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I remember running around the bases, and, and the, the crowd... I'm dead serious. I, I, felt like, I felt like the big leagues right here. The crowd went wild. My entire team came out. They're hitting me on the head. And here I am, this little tiny dude. And, I'm, and I, was got, I got to play the game of my life. Game ended. Feeling all cool, right? I'm walking out. All these reporters, man. It was crazy. All these news people come up to me. Little Davey. White from little old Clovis East. And they come up to me and they say, hey, hey. And this one guy, I remember the, exactly the, the way his face looked at me. He looked at me and he said, hey, hey, David. David, you're a little guy. I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> he says, where do you get your power from? And he held a microphone in my face. And I don't want to be that weird guy that says, oh, I hear voices in my head, but I'm going to be that guy for a minute. I don't know to this day. I don't know if it was something I sensed. I don't know if it was something I thought. I don't know if it was an audible voice, but I heard something say, give me the glory. 
this dude, this random dude. Hey, hey, you're a little guy. Where do you get your power from? And I heard, I felt like I heard God say, tell him I gave it to you, David. But I froze. (laughs) I looked at the guy in the camera and I couldn't say anything. It was a now what moment. I, I had this moment and I was paralyzed. I don't know if you've ever ever been there. I don't know if it's been little things or bigger things. I don't, I don't know, but he asked me the question again. Sir, sir, you're, you're a little, you're smaller than most of your team. Where do you get your power from? And, and I blurted out some dumb thing like I ate Wheaties this morning. I was trying to be funny. And I remember in that moment where I just felt the most, the, probably the biggest high of my life, my, my, I felt the full most of, like I had life to finally, uh, this moment where I felt death. It was weird. Nights, months later, I would revisit this moment. I'm dead serious. I went to go play college baseball, and I remember making a promise. I said, ah, God, because it wasn't until really college that I really developed this, this relationship. I said, God, if that ever, ever happens again, if you ever give me a now what moment like that, then, then God, I, 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 I'm going I'm to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. But I kept replaying it over and over again in my head. And I just got to say, unfortunately, unfortunately, I believe that our generation, I believe that the previous generations, I believe that they have simply been frozen Christians like me. We're walking through this series. This This is actually the last night of this series, and it's called Now What?, and the, the idea comes from this, it comes from this idea that, that in everybody's life there comes a point where you simply don't know what to do, where you weigh your options, you, you try to make the best decision, you, you try to be the best person you can be, you try to be everything that everybody wants you to be, but there comes a moment in everybody's life where, you're, where you simply say, now what? Maybe you just finished the season of something and you're trying to figure out what to do next, now what? Maybe you're trying to figure out what to do with this relationship or with this finance or whatever, and you simply say, now what? Unfortunately, some of us walk around paralyzed because of the now what moments. Last week, if you were here, we talked about this idea of step one. If you want to make the most of your now what moments, step one, you got to release it. You just got to trust God. Like Sunday, Sunday School 101, man, welcome Sunday School. Step one in, in your now what moments is simply releasing. But if I stopped there, I'd be doing all of you an injustice. If I stopped there, then I'd be, I'd be giving this book, uh, I'd be selling it short. If I stopped there, then I would give faith a bad name. And I want to explain that really quick because for whatever reason, it, it, God hit me with something weird today, and I was like, I don't know how this is going to come out, but I just got to say it. See, faith, it's easy to say I trust God and sit around and let him do what he does, but faith is your belief in action. Let me explain that really quick. If you're like, oh, man, I, I believe that no one should eat animals. It's cruel. Then, and if you believe that, then your action should follow that, right? And so if there's people 
who say that, man, I, I'm a, I believe that there's a God who really truly cares about me. I, I trust him. I, I release my, my future, my cares, my relationship. I release everything to him. Do you truly believe that? Does your life show that? See, if you want to make the most of your now what moments, first you release, but, but secondly, you rise up. You rise up. See, this thing we call Christianity, if I could be blunt, it's not for the weak. It's not for the timid. Man, this thing is for the brave. It's for the strong. It's for the courageous. And I just got to say, if you want to make the most of these moments in your life, you simply got to rise up. You got to rise up. Because here's what often happens. It's woven throughout scriptures that, there, that in your now what moments, oftentimes God gives you answers. God gives you clarity when you rise up. Oftentimes, God, there's, there's encounters, there's moments in the Bible throughout Scripture where God literally, now I believe that we can access God at any time, but I believe that there are moments when God encounters you. I believe that there are moments when God literally comes into a little, draws a little closer into your life. And I believe that in those moments, sometimes he gives you a nudge, but then he puts the ball in your court. Over and over again, it's really easy to say, I trust God, I trust him, I'll do your thing, man. I'm going to sit over here and wait. But it takes a real believer. It takes someone who, who really, truly believes in this thing, this thing right here, this thing that says, man, I'm a, an adopted son. I'm a daughter of the king. It really takes someone who truly believes that to say, I'm going to rise up. And so if that didn't make sense, or if, you, if you're struggling to follow me, I, I'm going to ask you to just, just to stay with me for a moment. You rise up. Oftentimes, God answers your now what moments when you respond, when you rise to the occasion. I want to talk really briefly, and I promise to keep it very simple, very straight. I want to talk really briefly about this dude who I think is one of the bravest guys I know, or actually, I don't know him, I read about him. One of the bravest dudes in the Bible. He is, he is, he's a unique dude because you only hear about him like twice or three times in the whole Bible. There's like two characters I want to talk about that you don't really hear about him ever. They, one of them is not even named. You just know him as a eunuch. And I want to talk about this two, this one fascinating scene because I believe it is now what moment after now what moment, after now what moment, and that, yeah, they trust God, but then they rise up and they do something. And so if you have a, a Bible, uh, go ahead and flip to Acts, Acts chapter 8. And it's literally, it's funny how it's even like titled this, Philip and the Ethiopian, okay? There's this dude named Philip, and Philip Philip was just some guy, but he was, really, he was a bold, he was a brave guy. As a matter of fact, his nickname is called Philip the Evangelist. Because wherever he went, he ended up talking about Jesus. Like, that's how, that's how he rolled. I don't know if you knew somebody like that. You're like, dude, every time we take you out, you're always trying to pray for someone. 
that dude, that bold person that just is not afraid of anything. That was Philip. And then we have this guy named the Ethiopian. We don't even know his name. Now, if you, if you know this story, if you've heard it, some of you have, I'm going to invite you to hear this today with fresh ears. And I'm going to ask you to see this, these words with fresh eyes because I don't know why, but I feel like this is for you, specifically on a night like tonight. And so it goes like this. Acts chapter 8, I'm going to start at verse 26. And I'd like to read it, and then I'd like to unpack it a little bit as I go. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, an angel spoke to Philip. Go south to the road, the desert road, not the old town road, the desert road that goes down from, I had to, man, it's so big right now. It's so big. Go down to the desert road. Yeah, thank you. Go down to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So for, so just so you know, I'm just going to like just looking at this, an angel is speaking to Philip. God sometimes speaks to you through unforeseen ways. And I just got to let you know, if you're not listening, if you're not actively listening, sometimes you'll miss it. But an angel said, hey, Phil, go down to that road right there. And without... Here's his first, now what? Okay, now what do I do? No questions asked, no nothing. He just goes, he just, so he started out. Verse 27, so he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And so here's this random dude. And I just got to say, Ethiopia is not mentioned really at all in the Bible, except for this one case, this one dude. We don't even know his name. We just know he's a eunuch. Now, if you don't know what a eunuch is, a eunuch is some, I see some faces out there. A eunuch is, is in ancient times a man who was either voluntarily or by force castrated, okay, because of a purpose he had with the palace. So this is a man who either chose, I'm never going to get married, I'm never going to have kids, or he was made to do that. So here's this guy. He's a eunuch. He's really good for nothing, according to ancient times. He's good for nothing, according to these people, except his job. And this guy's job says that he was an important official in charge of all the money of the queen of Ethiopia. So here's this random guy. And why do I say that? Just because it's weird, okay? This doesn't really have to do with anything else other than this is weird. He's in charge. So Philip listens to this angel. He goes to this road, and he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. And this is what happens. This man, this eunuch, just went to Jerusalem to worship which is another really interesting little thing. He came to worship God from Ethiopia? Okay, let's keep reading. Let's keep going. He came to worship in Jerusalem, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Little context. This dude 
because he was a eunuch, because he was from Ethiopia, like nowadays it's like, come as you are, man. You come to our church if you're wearing whatever you want. But because of who he was, he wasn't even allowed to go into the temple. I just want to let you all know that. This guy was dirty. But he, he's on his way home for some reason. He's on his way home. He's reading the Bible. Typically in ancient times, you read it out loud. So they, he was reading the Bible out loud. And the, the spirit, and okay, here's where Philip is. He's hearing things again. He's, he's kind of weird like me. The spirit told Philip, hey, hey, uh, go to that chariot and stay near it. The one with the eunuch. And so Philip, this is the fun part. It says Philip ran. Philip ran to the chariot. It doesn't say he meandered over. It doesn't say he walked on over. It doesn't say that he skipped. It said that he ran. In the Greek, it literally means he sprinted there. I don't know if you're in a now what moment. I don't know if you felt a little call, a little itch, a little inkling to try something new, to meander that way a little bit. But this dude, the moment he hears something, he runs over there. Takes a little bravery. Takes a little courage. I probably would have walked if I would have even went. I'm just being real. This dude ran. (laughs) And he runs up to the chariot. He runs up and he hears the man reading the Bible. And so he speaks up. Hey, do, do you know what you're reading about? Do you understand what you're reading? He says. And this Ethiopian eunuch says, no, no idea. How can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So here's a dude who has no clue what he's reading. I don't know if you've ever been there in church or if you've been there in a Bible study or if you've talked to a friend and they're talking about this experience they had, this encounter they had, this, this new life, this, 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 this joy that they have and you have no idea what they're talking about. And so he says, now what? Well, I, I don't know what it's talking unless someone explains it to me. And then here's a now what moment too. The eunuch does this. He invites Philip to come up and sit with him. This is weird, guys, and I want you to know this. This is weird. This is like, kind of like walking out, and not just knees right here. It's like walking out all the way, I don't know if you know this street, Academy. Way out on Academy, some weird old road, okay? The horses are and all that, right? (laughs) You walk out to Academy, and you see some random guy reading the Bible, and you're like, hey, you you know what you're reading? And the guy's like, no, I don't. I have no clue what I'm reading. You want to jump in and tell me? And the dude, Philip, jumps in with him. He jumps in with his eunuch, this guy that looked different than him, this guy that by standards of his religion was dirty, this guy that, that in this now what moment, he's like, dude, ask someone else. But no, he came, it said he ran there, and then I, I'm sure he jumped in. This dude ran, he'd probably jump. So the eunuch was reading this passage. This is what he was reading. This is what he had no idea what he was reading about. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, 
And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. This eunuch reads this. He's like, hey, uh, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, what's this about? He says, he says, is the prophet, because this is in Isaiah, the old Testament, he says, is the prophet talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? Because I really have no idea what I'm reading. And this is what Philip says. Philip began with that passage, that very passage, and he told him the good news about Jesus. And that sounds so grandma right there, right? I'll tell you the gospel. I'll start right there and I'll tell you the gospel. He was led like a sheep to the sheep. And I don't know how this went down. But something happened. I don't know what I read. Can you explain it to me? And I don't know if you've ever been, ever been in that now what moment. Oh, dang, I can't explain that to you. That's above my head. That's above my pay grade. I can't explain that. That's, I don't know how to explain that. I don't want to ruin it. I don't. But Philip just opens his mouth. He says the good news about Jesus to this random eunuch from Ethiopia. Why? Because he listened to some angel and he ran over to him. Then this is what happened. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, hey, look, here is some water. Uh, why shouldn't I be baptized? He says, he literally says, hey, look, there's a puddle right there. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him on the spot. Now, this is just weird. Now, this is unreal in ancient times. They're riding down on this road, and the guy's like, oh, cool, thanks for explaining that. Oh, by the way, there's a puddle, there's a little lake right there. Hey, why shouldn't I get baptized? And in, in the literal Greek, it says, what is standing in my way? And this is what we call a rhetorical question. This is a question that he wasn't asking him for an answer, it was a rhetorical question, meaning there was no answer to it, because here's the answer. What is standing in the way? It's him. It's you. I don't know if you've ever been there. Have you ever been to a spot where you're like, now what do I do? And I feel like I should go there, but what's standing in my way? Hey, the devil ain't standing in your way. Sometimes we give him way too much credit. Oh, man, I can't do that. People are going to look at me kind of weird. Your friends aren't standing in your way. It's your life. Your mom ain't standing in your way. Your grandma ain't standing in your way. Your sister, nobody's standing in your way except you. And that's what he's asking. He literally pulls over. Hey, stop the chariot. And he rises up and gets baptized. And then this happened. This is the weird part. This is where it gets a little strange. When they came up out of the water, baptized him, came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Like he vanished. He, he like miraculously moved. But went, and the eunuch did not see him again. So the eunuch's like, boom, oh, what? Peace, peace out, man. And it says that he went on his way rejoicing. 
Now, we never see this eunuch again. It never says in, in like, uh, Revelation over here doesn't say, oh, that eunuch, he went on to do amazing things. But I wonder. I wonder what this guy did. If he's setting up a, a system of being bold and being brave and, and not only trusting God but rising up to the occasion and doing things that are a little uncomfortable, when he went back to Ethiopia, I don't know what he did, but I'm sure it was pretty cool. And this is what Philip did. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And I just got to say, just really quick, this dude Philip heard this angel, ran over to this chariot, jumped in some random dude's chariot, said something, baptized this guy, vanished, ended up in some random town. That's like you're on academy, you, you baptize some guy in the, the ditch over there on academy, and you vanish, you end up in Madeira, and you, what do you do now? Well, you, he just keeps on going. He just keeps on preaching. This dude's like the energizer buddy. This guy is Philip the evangelist. So he does what he was called to do. And I just gotta say, some of you are called to do something bigger than what you're doing right now. And it's really easy to sit back and say, man, I trust God. But I've seen so many people blame trusting God as an excuse to do nothing. Man, I just got to be real with you for a minute. I've seen so many people, friends, family, peers, older people, younger people, give their life to God. Have this moment. Have this encounter. This, this moment where they're like, man, everything's changing. I, I give my life to Jesus, I, and I, they, their life changes for like a day. But they don't do anything about it. They don't try anything new. They don't change their lifestyle. They don't, they don't do anything. And they're, and they're now what moment they, they, they freeze. I was there. I was a frozen Christian. And it, and it showed when the microphone was in my face. What are you going to do when the microphone is in your face? See, belief is your faith in action. It's if you truly trust God, if you truly release last week. Man, we released some incredible things. Marriages, kids, futures, careers, finances, dude, addictions. We released that, but if you truly released it, what are you doing today? Because if you want to make the most out of your now what moments, you first got to release it, and then you got to rise up. Now, I'm going to tell you this because I'm not trying to toot my horn or anything, but I just got to say this. I could not get that moment out of my head. One of the best days of my life from that day, like according to my life so far, I had, I just had a, an amazing game at Chuck Chancey Stadium, and I had all these people thinking I was cool, and I blew it in my brain. I regretted it. I couldn't get it out of my brain. It was like on repeat in my brain, and, and I don't know, man. It was weird. A couple of years later, I was playing baseball at a different college, and we were working out, and a friend of mine, a guy I just met from Massachusetts, came up to me, and he said, hey, David, I just got to let you know something. What, there's something different about you. What is, what is different about you? And it popped in my brain. 
I popped in my brain. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a moment. It's a, it's a now what moment again. And, I, and I, I said, hey, man, this is what's different, Matt. I've experienced the love and the power of Jesus Christ. And my life will never be the same. And I said it. And I'm not trying to say, oh, look at me. I'm all Brit. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say I failed. And it sucked. I came to a now what moment and I was paralyzed. I was frozen. I didn't fight. I didn't run. I was frozen. But I got another chance. I got another chance. And there's some of you in this room right now that need to hear that sentence. Whatever happened yesterday, whatever you think you missed out on, whether it be a career or a boy or a girl or a college or a job or money or this or that or whatever, whatever you feel like you missed, another now what moment's coming. And I believe that everybody in this room was created for something more than what you're doing right now. Something big. Something Larger than life. God says, man, if you love me, then follow my commands. He doesn't say, man, if you love me, just sit back and let me do all the work. There's this false narrative that says, man, the moment you just raise your hand, the moment you have that moment with God, the moment you you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be good. That addiction you have is going to go away. That lifestyle you're living is going to vanish. But that's the definition of insanity. If you do the same thing over and over again and you expect something different, that is insane. If you want to make the most out of your now what moments, you got to release. But you got to rise up. I am, I am, I am tired of people who claim to be Christian who are frozen because it's given us a bad name. It's not for the weak. It's not for the timid. It's for the strong and it's for the brave. And I just feel led to pray right now. God, I just declare bravery floods this room. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would fill each and every person in this coffee shop with courage right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that weakness, shyness, nervousness, fear would vanish right now. And God, I ask that you would rise up your children as soldiers today. Because here's the deal, guys. If you're no different than you were yesterday, last week, then don't expect yourself to be any different in two weeks. I don't know if you're in a now what season. I don't know if you're in a now what moment, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this is going to be a now what moment for every single person in this room. To say, God, I trust you is not a one-hit wonder. It's not this, oh, yeah, good, I'm good, I'm good. All right, cool. Back to life. life. 
because typically this is what happens. I've, I've seen it. You get all fired up for like three and a half days, maybe a week, maybe a month. You read the Bible for a couple days, you pray once, <laughs> and all of a sudden you, fart, you, start, you start falling back into who you were when I believe the best version of you is when you rise up. So, my question for you, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? And this is not a question, what do you want to do next week? What do you want to do when you get older? What do you want to do? No, this is what do you need to do tonight? How are you going to rise up today? Some of you right now maybe are going through a moment where you got to make a decision. You got to you have options in front of you. You got to make that decision. You got to choose this career. You got to figure out if you got to end this or start that or or some of you it might be a little more personal and some of you simply have to rise up by saying yes. I'm open and get baptized. But trust is not a one-hit wonder. Every day of my life, I got to wake up and say I trust you, man. I trust you. Now help me in my trust today. Give me the power and the strength to say yes to you in every now what moment. My last little thing. What I love about that story, that weird story with the eunuch and Old Town Road and all that, what I love about it is before, before these crazy encounters, before the miracle of him vanishing, before the 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 rejoicing and the joy of this eunuch, there was a series of now what moments where they not only trusted God, but they rose to the occasion. What do you need to rise up to tonight? There's some questions on the back of that piece of paper. And I don't typically close like that, but I'm gonna close like that because I want you to jump into a group and I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. There's a couple of thoughts. There's a couple of questions on that piece of paper that I'd like you to be open with your group, with whoever you're sitting with, the three or four, five people that you're sitting with right now. And I'm going to ask you not to leave. I'm going to ask you not to leave. We have, a, we have a baptism going to happen in a minute, but I'm going to be straight up and real. Let me walk over here for a second. We have towels and shirts and shorts if you want to get baptized. Because what's going to hold you back? The only thing holding you back is you. Do not leave this coffee shop tonight without rising up. If it's saying yes and getting baptized, do it. The eunuch wasn't like, well, let me get home and make sure my queen is there and my friends are there. I want to see them and I want to make sure they're all. Because this isn't about them. This is about you and you rising up.